Welcome to AUSU Open Mic. AUSU Open Mic is a podcast brought to you by the Athabasca University Students Union, representing undergraduate students at Athabasca University from coast to coast to coast and all around the world. Uh, today, I'm happy to bring you the Sociological Imagination Engaged Research for Social Justice, brought to us by Dr. Eloy Rivas Sanchez. He's a professor here at Athabasca University. This is a talk originally given in November at AUSU Nights, and I'm happy to bring it here to all of you, looking at that intersection between social justice and sociological research. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you very much for the invitation and for the for the opportunity to to share a little bit of my um, I would say my experiences uh, doing um, uh, using the concept of the sociological imagination in sociology and applying it for uh, my research, which is a form of research that is carried out with communities with the purpose of. Um, social justice uh, to improve um, the well-being of people who are having a hard time. I do research with uh, 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 migrants with precarious status and migrants with precarious status in the academic jargon means basically anybody who lives in Canada who are not a, uh, who is not citizen, Canadian citizen or who is not a permanent resident. And they have a legal precarious status. And having legal precarious status has a lot of consequences on the lives of people who live in those conditions. Uh, it was one of them, in fact. Uh, it one, it, just you know, those challenges range from, from you know, having limited access to the healthcare services, having li limited access to the labor market, to opportunities, social connections, and so on and so forth. And so that affects the lives of people. And I try to use the concept of sociological imagination to work with those communities to think about social problems, about how the world or the context in which uh, we live affected, affects them and how we can actually intervene to make lives better and to transform the conditions that affect the lives of people. So, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure for me to share a little bit of that. I don't know if I have a lot. Of, I don't know if I have a lot of experience. So I'm going to speak a little bit about me because the sociological imagination is about a reflexivity. It's about understanding how what we are uh, is actually a result of the society in which we live in. And so, uh, I am sociologist. Uh, uh, I I hold a PhD in sociology with an specialization in political economy from Carleton University, where I did my studies. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I did um, a, a research that became uh, my thesis and, uh, and, and some publications um, on, on the lives of people who live undocumented, in fact, in Montreal. And so I was a factory worker there. I, I do what is called ethnography, which basically consists uh, of uh, hanging out with people, trying to understand their lives. Uh, by living with them, by talking with them, by uh, working with them. And I spent two years working in factories in Montreal and surrounding uh, communities. Um, I make friends with people who live undocumented. And, uh, and so I did a lot of interviews. I ended up very in a very difficult situation, condition, because it was very challenging. I learned firsthand 
uh, how difficult it is to live undocumented. And, and, and so, you know, at that time when I was doing that research, uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people, I remember at that time, a CDC released a report um, sharing uh, what Canadians, or, or reporting what Canadians think about undocumented. And most of the people, you know, according to that report, uh, used to say, you know, no, well, you know, probably we respect them, but uh, they are people that are shitting the system and that kind of abusing our system and, and our generosity. And it's something that is not very cool and so on. And so when I went to the field, actually, by listening to the stories, by connecting with them, by working with them, I was actually uh, sharing, a, you know, I, I became, I was living with a group of people there um, who were working in construction myself. I was doing demolition. And so uh, I learned by talking to them that, uh, in fact, a lot of, most of the people were not actually seeking to abuse the system or taking a, take advantage of the generosity. They were not even sometimes responsible of being in those conditions. In fact, what I learned is that a lot of people that are were living in those conditions are there because in somehow the system pushed them that way. Some people who arrive, for example, seeking refuge, refuge, refugee status, and then they hand out the papers, and then they say, well, you know, you have to send me these other papers, you have to pay for translations, and so on and so forth. And things became so expensive for some of them, particularly the, the poorest ones, that are sometimes just people don't follow up into the application, and so they lost their status. Most of the people I learned through that research that most of the people who live in the community are not people trying to abuse the system or taking advantage, are very hardworking people, most of them, uh, but rather are people who, you know, somehow the system fails them. No, they didn't pass, they didn't pass kind of the proof that they had to hand into the authorities. And so I I I put this example because uh what is sociology about is 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 about the bunking myths and somehow is it's about you know people say may say or we or myself I may think a particular kind of I have opinions about, about things in society but then when I do research and when I really grasp what is going on and I ask to people and I listen to stories I may end up with a different point of view because I just went to to to, to the to the to the sources of it and so uh, that's one of the things that I love about about research that's one of the things that I love about what I do and so this is about a little bit about that um why I study migration and this is directly connected to the topic of the sociological imagination. I am myself a migrant. I mean, I am now a Canadian citizen, but I arrived from Mexico uh 15 years ago. Um and so uh, I went through all difficulties. I want to talk about that, <laughs> but uh, it was it was tough. It was tough. But end, I ended up finishing a PhD somehow with a lot of support from teachers, from family, and friends. Uh, I finished my my studies, and uh, and so through that process, I became very interested in, in, in the topic of migration. It was because of my biography, in fact, right? And so I ended up doing uh, research on that. And uh, and when I started doing that research, I was like why do I have to do a research on a topic that is related to my own thing, you know, like my own passions? And so for me at that time, training a different kind of sociological tradition, like the traditional one way of, of thinking in sociology, it was not a good idea to do research on a topic in which I feel invested, you know, in which I, I have like a, some sort of passion for and so on and so forth. Because according to my, my old ways of seeing things, uh, sociologists have to be detached from society. You don't have to analyze stuff. You don't have to put yourself there. 
you don't have to analyze yourself or study yourself or this or, or disclose too much about yourself. You have to be objective, to be truthful. You have to be detached from what is going on, not too passionate, not to engage, and so on and so forth. And and I was like, I'm not sure about it. Uh, but beautifully in Canada, I learned that it's important to be engaged. In fact, I I, I learned is. In Mexico too, as well. But I, I had another uh, kind of training, um, and all that happened because I discovered a concept that is now fundamental in in the sociological tradition, which is the concept of the sociological imagination. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit, uh, how it transforms uh, uh, um, classrooms and communities. Uh, well, in particularly, we are in a university that is a, a university without walls. I love that. And so the sociological imagination applies even better to that. You will see why. And then I will try to talk a little bit just briefly about how to cultivate or how do I cultivate the sociological imagination based, of course, uh, in, in the teachings of the creator of this concept, which is a person that I, I love, that I like very much. Um, and then I will talk a little bit about how in my research I cultivate or I practice the sociological imagination. Well, the sociological imagination, to be brief, is a, is a concept that was developed by an, an American sociologist whose name is Wright Mills. And he developed that concept in 90, uh, 1959 in this book. You have, you see the, 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 la portada, how do you say, the cover of that book. Uh, called Sociological Imagination. And it sounds, you know, just an ordinary book, but it's not an ordinary book at all. Uh, in that concept, um, uh, Riot Mills, he was sick of people questioning. Uh, he was a very engaged person, very engaged person, and sick of people thinking like, yeah, well, don't invest too much on, on yourself on that, you know, you have to be detached from it and so on and so forth. And don't he write that book to say, no, no, actually, in fact, the 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 work, the the a fine work of a sociologist should be, in fact, to be engaged, should be, in fact, uh, be able to develop the capacity to study social problems, starting out with your own biography. Why you are interested in that? Why you feel invested in that topic? And that should be the basis of your engagement of your of your own thinking, instead of neglecting that. And so, that sounds for now, for example maybe not too revolutionary, but at that time was profoundly, profoundly revolutionary because in social, in sociology, in social science in general, but sociology was one of the mother uh, disciplines in, in, in social sciences. And so basically uh, there, we had two founding fathers in sociology, three founding fathers. One is called, it's actually a kind of a patriarchal tradition as well. We have uh, Marx on one side, who I like very much. I draw a lot of inspiration from his work. Um, but also we have also Max Weber, who is uh, very important, who was very important sociologist from from from, from Germany. This is one of the books. Oh, no, I can't. Ah, you can't see the book. I have a book here. Oh, here you go. You can't see that. Well, anyways, so you have a, a, a Max Weber, and you have another one whose name was Emile Durkheim from France. So basically, they used to say, except for Max, but the rest used to say, you know, two things should be. Uh, the basis of the the, the the starting point of the sociological analysis. The first thing is that sociologists, we see here, what is objectivism? They were objectivists. Uh, sociologists must see social problems, social relations. Their object of analysis should be see 
as social facts. You know, we see social facts. We don't see, you know, you don't see the problems or we don't see disgusting things or we don't see beautiful things. We just see things. And, and our work is, come, is like describing them without passion, without engagement. And that's a real scientific work. Like if we were physici physicians or, 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 or specialized in physics or in electromechanics and so on, like in hard sciences. And, and he used to say, in fact, he said the very first rule of the sociological method is to see, to be able to see social pr problems as social facts. And then we had another guy, I already mentioned Max Weber wrote fantastic books. I like a lot of his books, but one of his starting point is like, we have to detach ourselves from passion, from subjectivity, from desire, from a rage or any kind of thing. So you have to be always centered yourself and be able to be cold-minded and be rational, intelligent, and capable to apply methods and theory and to make sense of the problems we see. And so Riot Mills breaks down with this tradition, breaks, from, uh, breaks apart from this tradition and create this concept, uh, sociological imagination, which he defines as the ability to see the interplay between individual biographies and history. He said, everything that we see in society, everything we are interested in, we are, there is a reason for that. There's always a biography. Instead of neglecting that, we have to ask why we're interested in that, no? And so this uh, again sounds like, okay, well, that's what we do normally, but at that time was not so evident. Um, and, and so by, by this, he was saying, uh, when we practice the sociological imagination, we develop the ability to see that our personal issues, no, you know, I, uh, I, I drink too much, or probably, you know, I have a lot of uh, guilt because, um, you know, I, 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 I practice, uh, I engage in, in sexual relationships that are not considered normal, you know, I like guys or, or, um, or, whatever, you know, and I feel kind of issues with that. And say, if you really look at that, if you really look at what your issues are, and you look at society, you will see that there are a lot of people like you, like you are not so unique, in fact. So your job is to understand why those feelings that you have are produced, why you feel ashamed about it, and how do people like you feel about it and you will find that in fact you are not so unique and that you are connected to others so the sociological imagination is the capacity to see that your guilt your condition of poverty or or, or whatever you you things that you are uh, facing are connected to society but also he said is the ability to see the the sociological imagination to realize that individual actions also influence society. We have some room to, to, to make improvements, to contest, to navigate the system, and so on and so forth. So that is what the sociological imagination is a break. It's a, it's a break apart from the, from the tradition that says that we have to be detached, unpassionate, and so on and so forth. And, and, and for that, he says, you know, we require to be reflexive. We have to think, why am I interested in this? What is the reason? Or why feel, I feel guilty about it? Why feel desire about it? Or why feel fear about it? It, or why, uh, uh, you know, I am putting down the rest or I don't have access to healthcare, whatever. And, and so reflexivity to think about your own condition, it, it requires also engagement. In, instead of detachment, it requires engagement, that you engage in your own life and, 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 and trying to answer and asking questions that are difficult to answer or that nobody wants to post and so on and so forth. And requires, of course, critical aware, uh, awareness of your social context. 
And, uh, and you, you know, since then, since uh, in the Western world, particularly in North America, who was the very first kind of tradition inaugurating this, um, became important, this concept in, 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 in social sciences, in particular in sociology, we see the development of a lot of, uh, uh, of the strengthening of a lot of fields in, 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 the, in the academic world that are related with, with, for example, with queer studies, with gender studies, with feminist sociology, with migration studies, disability studies, race and ethnicity studies, and so on and so forth. And if you realize, if you see that, I mean, I don't know if you guys are studying sociology or who you have to call, uh, some class in sociology, but in general, if you're in social sciences, you realize that people who are studying, for example, uh, racism or race and ethnicity mostly are racialized scholars. Or you see persons talking about gender issues are mostly women, feminist uh, women who are engaged in the idea not only to study gender roles and so on and so forth, but to transform them so that because we understand that gender roles, the traditional gender roles, often are in detriment of women. And so, you know, all those uh, fields of studies in which people are the, the people who live uh, are putting their own li living experiences as part of the uh, analysis are a product of this revolutionary concept of the sociological imagination. Basically, we uh, uh, we study what we are, or a lot of people, not, all, not everybody has to do it, but that's why people, it, it's legitimate since then to study, you study what you are, it's fine to do that. You know, if you are a person that are, consider yourself a feminist, it's fine to study gender roles, you know, uh, the oppression of women. If you are studying migration, it's okay if you are a sociologist who is a migrant yourself, because who better than you will understand that if you have lived through that, no? So living experience or biographies are an important element in the process of thinking and researching and so on and so forth. And so that brings us to the issue of engagement, engagement, or com commitment to what we do. Um, and you know, in, in which way the sociological imagination transforms lives and communities? I have been um, since uh, for a while ago. I started doing uh, research in Mexico as a research assistant in indigenous communities in the north of Mexico, in a place that in, in an area that is on the border with Arizona that is called Babiacora, Sonora. And we were studying at that time. I remember uh, why uh, women at that time were experiencing a very high rise in um, in, in mortality, uh, mortality rates due to cervix cancer. And so we learned that cervix cancer, we, we know all the science have the, 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 the um, uh, proof that cervix cancer can be reduced by using uh, condoms, right? Are sexually transmitted often the, the, um, the pathogen that produces it. Uh, and so, Sex, sexual practices were very important, uh, you know, kind of a healthy sexual practice, uh, meaning, you know, protecting yourself and so on from germs and so on and so forth can prevent the mortality of, of, uh, of cervix, cancer cervix. But a lot of people were not able to see that. I mean, we didn't know why people didn't take care of themselves. And so we did a study and we learned that the guys, you know, men in the community were not uh, very uh, amicable to use um, uh, prevention and so on and so forth. Uh, and so when we finished that project, when we learned that, we started doing a, a kind of a program, intervention program to engage men in the health of the community, in the health of themselves, the partners, and so on and so forth. And, um, and so 
for me, that that was kind of a kind of my learning process in research. So the sociological imagination just helped me to kind of develop that to bring that into the into the the classrooms as well. And now that I'm in Tabasco, for example, I always in all my classes, all my classes start with the concept of the sociological imagination. Whatever we study, we, I teach classes in uh, sociology of families. I teach classes in sociology of crime. I teach classes in sociology and social change. And we always start with learning, with reading uh, Riot Mills, The Sociological Imagination, just one chapter, just one chapter in which it says what it said and how do you apply it and so on and so forth. Um, and so uh, the way in which I do it in Athabasca, for example, and it's easier than in, 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 a, in a kind of a traditional universities or university with wells, um, is that, you know, you are taking a class, you are reading a document, you have a conversation with your, with your tutor or your course coordinator by telephone or by email. And then I ask them, you know, wherever you are, wherever you are, try to connect the, the, the concept that you are learning in this class about what is a family, what is a nuclear family or family violence or, or family uh, equality or democracy within the family or whatever we are topic we are discussing in one of our classes, try to use one concept there or one idea and apply it to your everyday life. Try to understand your life based on those, uh, this concept. And so people, and then write me a report about it because you, we can say, but we don't do it. So I ask them to write a report, just two pages in which way it's connected to your own life. And, uh, and you know, beautiful things that I learned from, from, from that exercise. And, and most of my students say, you know, this actually, uh, this exercise, not only what is the sociological imagination in abstract, who develop or whatever, but rather the fact that I am using this concept and I'm trying to apply it to my life in which way it's connected to my life, it made me like uh, very engaged with the topic. Like it's, it's much more interesting for me to go into it. And so... And, you know, usually when we get engaged, we engage with the community. And the picture that you see here is one student from uh, uh, from the university here in Montreal, um, the Anglophone University, not McGill, but the Concordia. It's a student from, from Concordia who is engaged. There is a, is a, there is a manifestation during the COVID time. And so a group of uh, students and myself, I was teaching at that time there, uh, I we were, you know, distributing um, protection for people protesting so that they don't expose themselves much. Because at that time, people who have a precarious status didn't have access to government funding, to government support. So a lot of them lost their jobs and were losing, were being evicted. So it was a very hard crisis of social reproduction, you know, a crisis in terms of people didn't have access to food. You know, Canadians, of course, you know, I myself have the access to all that and probably you all as well, you know, the, the, the SERP. Canadian emergency response benefit. You know, you get some money if you lose your job. And so, but people at that time who were precarious status, they didn't have it because they were not residents, not citizens. So they didn't have access to all that. They were a, cre a tremendous crisis of poverty, evictions, and so on and so forth. And we were organizing uh, fundraising campaigns. And so this person was, you know, just to put it in a very simple terms, they're applying their, the, the, the sociological imagination to say, you know, I am trying to understand how these people are living, uh, what kind of things they are going through. And I'm not just going there to understand that, but also to do something about it, to support those communities. And so I think that's a beautiful example of love and engagement with the community, you know? Uh, look at that beauty. Um, 
but this uh, this is how I think that the 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 use of the sociological imagination in our classes can really make a difference in the community. I have lived it, and that's why I put some of those pictures here. And, uh, and this brings us to the topic of, of, of why, what do I think about sociology, you know? Sociology is not only uh, a discipline that is study that helps you to apprehend, to understand, to use, how to use particular tools, particular theories, concepts, or methods, and how to do research and how to teach and so on and so forth, but fundamentally, it's also a craft. It's, it teaches you the capacity to be reflexive about what is going on in your surrounding, to see what you can do uh, to, to not only to study from the detached point of view, uh, the, the problems that you study, but also to engage and to imagine, to develop a, a, an imagination to transform the lives and transform communities, starting by your own life. Um, and this is a, a picture of a person who I... This is my research, one of my research participants, um, what he was doing during the COVID. Uh, he's a craftsman. Um, and so the way in which he was trying to deal with the, you know, the possibility of eviction of lack of access to, to income at that time, he lost his job during COVID because of the lockdown, lockdowns. So started doing this uh, work of being a craftsman and in, in, in somehow was doing what I think is a sociological act as well. Eh? Um, and so, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. And 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 there are several suggestions that are are, are made by um, by sociologists who apply the sociological imagination. I won't go through all of them uh, to make it just you know relax. Uh, but basically, uh, what is suggested is that um, you know understand that the sociological uh, the the act of thinking and and doing sociology is an act of somehow crafting also the problems that we study, that uh, understanding what is going on. Uh, and we have to be very patient when we are doing the studies in sociology. We also have to um, connect always our personal lives, as we already mentioned, with where the way in which society is organized. Um, uh, this jargon, using jargon that nobody understands, is just it's just something that is not necessary um, in order to be engaged with the communities, in order to be a good sociologist from my point of view or from the point of view of those who we follow the sociological imagination tradition. Uh, you know, the more jargon you use, the less imaginative you are. So uh, what I always say, every time, you know, I write, I'm trying, I'm writing now these days. And, and I, as a, you know, as a professor, you have to publish stuff. And so every time I publish now, it's a practice for the last six months, in fact. It's very new for me. I put my son, who is 11 year old, you know, so can you read it, my abstract? I write, I write an abstract. Can you read it? Read it? So let's, I just lost the attention. I don't understand what you mean. So I erase everything. So I start again. Can you read it now? It's engaging. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. Now it is interesting. I understand now what you are trying to say. So, so avoid jargon and be simple, be, be straightforward. But that doesn't mean to 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 do things in a bad way or, or you know, just just to finish it. But be simple and 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 and, and profound is not something that is you know they are not uh, contradictory. You can you can be both, and that's kind of the goal in the sociological imagination tradition. And be humble. You know, we don't know everything. Um, I always I always ask, ask uh, my students, when you write a paper, really try to answer a question. 
If you don't want to answer, if you don't answer a question, if you have, you think that you already know everything, well, there is no reason why you do sociology. Sociology is about really asking questions and try to provide an answer to that question. And that question has to be legitimate. It has to be a real question. I don't know the answer. And I maybe I'm going to get surprises. That is the exciting thing of sociology. If we already know the answer, why do we why, why do you do research? We have to really do engage and try to understand something that you don't know the answer and you are going to provide the answer. And so that's uh, that's important. And asking questions is important. And and think in term, in historical terms, we have to think that everything that happens uh, is not something from from the spontaneous generation. You know, it's something that happens for a, there is a reason for that. There is a historical sequence of events that uh, brought us to the place we are now. There is a reason why people lose their status. There is a reason why people um, get evicted. There is a why people uh, you know lost jobs and so on and so forth. So we have to. Try Raise those events. What happened? And, and, and I think this part of the sociological imagination is very important because then we stop really judging people and we understand why. Ah, okay, I understand now why you are here on documented. It's not that you are trying to, you know, abuse systems and and then you are in a guy kind of bad guy who's trying to. Oh, you are actually in somehow victim of the system. You know, your country failed you. This country failed you. The system doesn't like you. It's expulsing you. And so it's different when we ask questions and when we really want to answer them and by listening to people, what people say, and when we think historically. Um, that's what I wanted to say. What else? Oh, there are so many things about my thing, my research. How do I apply my research? I think I have been putting examples, but you know, I am now uh, responsible for three research projects, and I feel very proud of this one that is called Care Renewal and Resurgence for pan this Post Pandemic Future. Uh, I am doing this research with two colleagues. One is from the University of Quebec, a Montreal, and the other one is a professor from the University of Amazonas. Um, I was lucky enough to convince my colleagues to work me, with me in this project and also lucky enough to receive funding for that from the Social Sciences and Human Research Council, from Athabasca University, from the University of Amazonas and from UNESCO. And so I have been traveling all the country for the last two years, asking questions, hanging out with people, um, uh, you know, delivering papers and, or, or reading papers and, and 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 going to the factories where people work. And so I try, I drive to farms and I listen stories sometimes by telephone. I was doing today an interview two hours ago, uh, a very long interview about a person who came here to work in a in a in a in a factory, not in a factory, in a farm. Uh, then the 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 bus, uh, how say? expel him from the job because the person had an accident. And I, I listen to all the stories. Sometimes it's hard, but it's always uh, uh, it's always good for me to learn about people's um, struggles because, you know, also you learn in, through research that um, this project is about that, in fact. I want to answer three questions, or we want to answer three questions through this research. The first one is, you know, in which way COVID has been affecting people living uh, with uh, precarious legal status, refugee seekers, undocumented workers, and so on. So in which way COVID affected them? Second question, how do people have how people have responded to those challenges? And third question, what can we learn from those? ways in which people respond. So the project is called Learning from the Migrant Justice Movement. So I, I see them, how do they, what do they do? And what can we learn from that? So 
I can tell you many things that I have learned in these two years. One is the enormous resilience that people have. The, it's incredible in a context of eviction, poverty, misery, crying, suffering, so on and so forth. People still have energy to go to a rally. They still have energy to, to, to share a, a piece of bread when they have only one, they cut it in two and you take it, bring it to your kid. Um, People have the energy to still call the other. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing very, very ugly, but you know, I was calling this guy, Lloyd, doing research, and he told me that, you know, there is connections, there is always human potential, there is always human capacity to resist, to transform our context, and so on and so forth. So that's what I am trying to do. And um, um we are trying to do. And so that's how I apply the sociological imagination, uh, asking questions in this project, uh, hanging out deeply with people. Um, you know, it's, uh, this also has allowed me to see something that is recommended by um, by this uh, professor, but this professor, the sociological imagination creator, is the idea that that uh, you know we think sometimes you know oh what is happening in Canada, what is happening to these people, but in reality um, we see that. Um, uh, those kind of things that happen are connected to global structures, are, are be part of a bigger picture. And so when I listen to stories of people living here in Montreal, in Alberta, in Calgary, in, in, in Edmonton, in Vancouver, telling me their stories, there those are stories that connect what is going on in Ghana, in Mexico, in Guatemala, in, in, in Australia, with what is going on here. And so those connections are able to, uh, one is able to make them when, when, um, when ask questions and go hang out with people. This is, doesn't make any sense because it's, a, it's just results of partial results of my project. And, and um, uh, one of my arguments that I have published several, some, some chapters of books and, 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 and journal uh, articles. Um, one of my arguments is that uh, the way in which, one of the ways in which uh, people have responded to the crisis during the COVID time was through practicing mutual aid and, and solidarity. And, um, and so in a way that um, it, it, it helped them to create community. And so one of my, one of my doctoral thesis is, is about how that condition isolates people. In a particular kind of context, Canadian context, isolates people. So people who are undocumented usually live very isolated lives, like don't have friends much, and they are always working, 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 working. They don't speak the language. They don't learn the language because they are always working and so on and so forth. So it's a very isolating event. But then during the COVID, there was a crisis. They lost jobs. So they are isolated, but at the same time, they are not working. So there were protests as well. There were events, there were fundraising and so on and so forth. And so community was possible, kind of. And I these pictures, I took all of them. And, and community was possible. And, and so in somehow a, a contradiction happened when in the, in the middle of a, a health in international health crisis that affects everybody in the, of the population, people who were more isolated in the past became a little bit more uh, socially with with more social bonds, more, more developed, more friendship and so on and so forth. And, and so part of the engagement is one of the arguments that I try to develop in my publications is that they are inventing a new way of doing politics in, in which 
politics and engagement with the community, with their communities, but also with the wider community, Canadians community, and people who are arriving, therefore, with the, with the international community, inaugurates a, a, a new way of appropriating from citizenship. So they have no citizenship. They are not Canadian citizens. And they would expulse it from their countries for therefore they kind of lose their, their 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 citizen rights in their space. They can eject them. So they have been expulsed from citizenship, even though, or despite of that, they with their uh, social participation, they are inaugurating new ways of appropriating from citizenship to practice citizenship otherwise. And therefore inventing a new kind of politics that Aldre is 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 focusing, is focused in the um, protection and prolongation of human life. Um, so that's what I am trying to do with my concept of social imagination and with my work. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to share with you guys. And this is a video I was, uh, I was uh, um, helped, I helped during my engagement with the community. I helped to prepare. I wanted to share it to you, but uh, not necessary. Just to say there is a video about people, what people were doing in the context of the COVID, undocumented people. And so it's people dancing and, and showing a, a message of peace and solidarity and love and engagement, which I found it beautiful in a context in which is very, very gray, you know, very difficult, war and illnesses and so on. For there are people who are one of the most affected in our communities who still hold hope hop and, and, and show love and respect and, and, and dance in a context of, in a very difficult context. That's what I wanted to share with you. 